Welcome to the Sunday Sermon Podcast from Reverend Anna Flowers. Here's an opportunity to listen to our weekly message and find inspiration for your life. We hope that you enjoy it. Do you all remember the worst meal that you've ever eaten? Like the absolute worst meal. I do remember one in particular. Here's a little bit of the backstory. My uh, grandparents lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. That's where my mother grew up. And so we would visit them on occasion, maybe a couple times a year. And it was always a really big deal for us when we were little kids. It was so exciting. See, we grew up in this tiny little town here in Massachusetts where there were more cows than people, we like to say. And so for us to go to New York City was a big deal. Our eyes became saucers when we took in the big buildings and all the people, and yes, all the delicious food. There was one uh, experience, though, that stands out to me. My mother had decided that my sister and I were going to take a train all by ourselves. That was back in the day you were allowed to do that with kids. We were going to take a train all by ourselves to New York City for a special trip to visit grandma and grandpa without them. And that was a big deal. So we got on the train with our little suitcases and the conductor was taking care of us as it was in those days. And when we got out of our train in New York City, there was my grandmother waiting to pick us up, and she took us back to their apartment, and we put our little suitcases in our room, and we were having fun like little kids do, getting everything ready. And then my grandmother left, and we were starting to kind of wonder, where did she go? And so we walked out you know, into the apartment, found the kitchen, And I'll never forget seeing my grandmother standing there at the kitchen with a little little metal can opener, opening what looked like cat food. But I knew my grandmother didn't have a cat or a dog, and I was wondering what was going on. But there was this strong, fishy smell wafting into uh, the kitchen. And there she was just opening can after can of this very fishy, gelatinous substance. And I said, Grandma, what are you doing? And I'll never forget the words that sent chills down my spine. She said, I'm making salmon loaf. We put a lot of emphasis, and now no offense if you guys are big salmon loaf fans out there, but I can tell you my grandmother's salmon loaf was not good, okay? It was not good. Now we put a lot of emphasis on food in our culture, and there's very good reason for that. We take food very seriously. Just turn on the TV, watch some Netflix, you'll see that there's all manner of programs out there about how to make amazing food, but food is elemental to us as human beings. I'm reminded that when I was in childbirth class, I learned that thing that I would never actually try, but I learned that when you give birth to a baby, instead of just scooping that baby up, you can actually just put that baby on your stomach and it will wiggle its way just by pure instinct to find its source of food, the mother's breast. We are just hardwired for food. It is what gives us sustenance and life. 
from our earliest moments to our dying days, food is what sustains us. It's also something that is so sacred in our tradition and many, many other religious traditions around the world. But if you open the scriptures of our tradition, it is full of food stories from manna falling from heaven to those beautiful words in the 23rd Psalm, he sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies, to Jesus sharing communion at the Last Supper and with us today, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When we eat, we commune with God. There is something so powerfully sacred about food. But here's the truth about food also. It's exhausting. <laughs> I was listening to a parenting blog recently, or a parenting podcast recently, and they were talking about this is issue, especially when you have young children. It feels like all you're ever doing is preparing food and cleaning up food and serving food, and it's this never-ending process of, of making food. And in this day and age, it can be quite complicated. Allergies, preferences, all kinds of dietary restrictions, ethnic differences. If some of you are sitting here thinking about your Thanksgiving feast and going through all the different ways, you have to navigate the complexity of the dietary requirements of the people who are sitting at your table, you're not alone. For so many of us, food is so complicated, tiring, and endless. So how are we supposed to make sense of this, that food is so sacred and also so chore-like? Well, our scripture story today, I think, gives us this beautiful view into how Jesus addresses this very question and might even give us a little bit of hope for our own daily and even special occasion relationships with getting food on the table. As you heard me tell our children, this is a story about Mary and Martha, good friends of Jesus. And Martha invites Jesus into her home. Now, the fact that it wasn't a husband or a father who was making the invitation tells us that this might have been Martha's home herself. She may have been a widow. In any case, she was a woman of society, able to make a gesture that way. And so Jesus arrives, this house guest, and what does her sister do? Does she help Martha? Absolutely not. Her sister is taking the standard place of Jesus' disciples. She's sitting at Jesus' feet while he's teaching. And Martha rightly gets pretty annoyed by this. Here she has to put this whole feast on for everyone all by herself. But the surprising thing about this story is that Jesus doesn't take Martha's side. Now, I've heard a lot of sermons out there that try to uh, make this not say what it's saying. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that because so many of us identify with the Marthas of the world. Any of us who have struggled to just get through the to-do list of life knows that you can't ignore that to-do list that you can't just say, well, I'm not going to feed my children today because I just want to be in prayer. We don't operate in the world that way. So how do we make sense of this story? 
what's Jesus really teaching us in our lives? Well, I think one of the most important things to keep in mind with this story is that it ends very abruptly. We're not told what happens next. My hunch is that once Mary has gotten her fill, you know, fill of Jesus, she does get up and help Martha, and they do go about making this meal. Everybody's got to eat, even Jesus. And so I imagine that this isn't an either-or choice. This is more of a choice of what comes first, or what takes first priority, not that you can neglect all of your duties. And as we learn in this story, the thing that is supposed to come first, the thing that is supposed to take first priority in any meal or in any sacred time of sharing food together is creating space for the sacred, creating space for love. That's hard for us to remember in our daily lives, but I think it's such an important lesson. Any time that someone is sharing food with us is an opportunity for us to connect with them, commune with them even, by the grace of God. I'll take you back into my grandmother's kitchen now. After we got over the shock of this news of this unknown food to us called salmon loaf that sounded atrocious, my sister and I ran back into our little bedroom. Now, we were without our parents, so we were trying to be on good behavior, but we run back to the bedroom, and we just work ourselves into fits of giggles about salmon loaf. Somehow, this salmon loaf took on a life of its own. I actually texted my sister last night saying, I'm preaching salmon loaf tomorrow. Do you, know what I, do you know what I'm talking about? And she said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but then she said something else. She said, I think about that moment a couple times a year because it was the first time I realized that grown-ups have feelings too. See, the hard thing about this story is that when we left that room just giggling about salmon loaf, we came to the table and we couldn't stop laughing at this salmon loaf to the point where it went a little bit too far. And as my grandmother was serving that steaming vat of mushy, <laughs> mushy cat food to us, I could see that we were hurting her heart. See, my grandmother wasn't just making us salmon loaf. She was a Midwestern farm girl who had grown up in the Great Depression. She had lived in a Methodist church basement for a year when her family was homeless. She lived in a big, fancy Upper West Side apartment, but that wasn't her soul. That salmon loaf that day was her sharing a piece of who she really was, this very simple woman trying to cook a nutritious meal for her grandchildren. And we hurt her feelings that day. Every opportunity that we have to break bread with one another is an opportunity to experience each other's sacredness, 
to experience the sacredness of God. Whether the food is amazing or whether the food is total junk, <laughs> never forget the real reason of why we prepare any food together. Never forget the real reason of why we break bread in these holy and mundane ways. It's to share love. It's to share ourselves. And it's to honor God. May it be so. And amen. Amen.